your word which teaches us not just what you want us to do, but how to accomplish those things. Thank you that the word that you provided for us does the work necessary to carry out your will in our life when we just choose to depend upon it to do so. May we understand more about the soul, the spirit, and the flesh this evening as we look at verses 16 and 17 of Galatians 5. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians 5, 16, which we looked at last week, says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now, a couple of things from what we looked at last week. If you take a look at the little superscripts, which are those little, little tiny letters that are a little bit above the normal ones, like that one, those are little notations that we've pointed out that tell us something more about the original language. Now, Paul is speaking here, and he's saying to the believers in Galatia, he's gotten done talking about how they're operating the same way that those who are unsaved are operating. And oftentimes we take a look at that and we think, well, that means that they're doing the same things. And yes, as a result of operating the same way that the unbelievers are operating, we will end up doing the same things that they do. What we don't realize is there's a difference between what we do and how we do those things that we accomplish. And that's what Paul is identifying in Galatians 5. That's why we're looking at this passage, especially just getting done with the three series look into James 1. So we've got a command here. Remember when we looked at this word walk, it was a command. It's in the imperative mood in Koine Greek, which means you are commanded to perform the continuous type of action to walk. You start walking a certain way and continue to walk a certain way. This is a command, which means that it doesn't, it doesn't say that you're going to do it, but it says you should do it. So now you have to use the free will God gave you to say, I'm going to choose to do what this command says to do. So I am going to choose to walk. Now, is this just talking about walking like from here to your house or school or walking around town? No. This word walk peripatite identifies that you go through the course of your life. This is talking about as you take each next moment by moment by moment step through the physical life that you have, that you do it in a specific manner. We've got two basic ways of walking through life, from the flesh or from the spirit. What gets confusing for us is that we don't really separate the difference between the flesh and we don't separate the difference between the spirit. So we oftentimes walk through life from the flesh thinking we're walking from the spirit or walk through life completely ignorant or unaware that we can walk from the flesh or from the spirit. So when we looked at the flesh last week down here, we identified that it was comprised of the body and the soul. And we went back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Two specific things, he says. Image identifies a unique essence which acts as a representative of God. That's your soul, your uniqueness, that thing which comprises comprises who you are apart from your body that is completely different than everyone else, but everyone has one. You can tell why it's kind of hard to figure out what the soul is. It's a thing that is unique to you 
that is you, your personality, your thought process, your beliefs are all a part of what's called the inner man, which is your soul. And your soul is what interacts with things on this world. Not just the physical things that you can see and touch, but also the things like power. You can go outside, feel the wind, and you can know that there's power behind the wind. It's, an, it's a non-physical thing, but it's a real thing. You can feel heat, which is not physical, but you can feel it and interact with it. So we have the physical things like the tables and matter, things made of atoms and elements that we can touch and handle. And then you have those non-physical things that are just as real that we interact with, like gravity. So all those things, we use our soul to interact with. We understand it through our senses, from the body, and our, our body through our senses gives us information. Where do we understand that? In our thought process. Where is our thought process? In our soul. The body has a brain. Your soul has a mind. The difference between a brain and a mind, the brain is physical matter that stores data and facilitates or sends data from one cell to another. The mind is what understands that data and determines what to do with it, evaluates it. We've gone through that with Romans 12, 1. Now, the likeness aspect of Genesis 1, 26 identifies that we were made in the same substance or the same nature of God, not with the same character, but the Hebrew word demut identifies that we were made spiritual beings. God is a spiritual being. We're made in the same nature as him, spiritual, in the Garden of Eden. Now, this is what we call pre-fall, before Adam and Eve sinned. Now, you guys should be familiar with this concept because we teach it oftentimes. So when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about the body and the soul. And when Adam sinned at the fall, what happened? The human spirit died, so now he is just soul and body. And that is why we're separated from God. We can't not worship God unless we are spirit, because God is spirit and truth. And the Gospel of John teaches us that. Now, we also missed the mark. God said, you are supposed to have three aspects to you, just like God has three aspects to him. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, one being Three components of the same being all have different functions. Our original creation is a perfect model of the Trinity. We have a body that functions, we have a soul that functions, and we had a spirit in our original design that functioned. Yet those three things comprised one thing, three in one, not separated from each other, all intertwined, just like God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or as we call him, Elohim, the triune God, three in one. So when our spirit died, now we missed the mark. God's standard says you're supposed to be three and one like I am. Now you're two and one. The result is you don't meet the standard. You miss the standard of your design, which is unrighteous, and that is sin. Now, if we don't have a human spirit, we can't function from the human spirit, which means we can't worship God spiritually. We can't worship or we can't understand the spiritual forces at work in this world system. We cannot communicate with the spiritual world directly. We have to use some sort of physical thing, like a Bible that tells us spiritual truth. And so we have now the need to be restored to our original design. We can't walk by the Spirit if we don't have a human spirit. And so that's the problem. Now part of what's confusing for us is that the Spirit 
in the scripture refers to either the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, the, the third component or aspect of the Trinity, or it refu- refers to the human spirit. And what get, gets even more confusing with scripture is that when, like in Galatians 5.16, the word spirit is used, it's almost always capitalized. Which would tell us then, because of the capital letter, that it's talking about God, the Holy Spirit. But when we look at the language, we don't have the definite article here, so it's not referring to a specific spirit, but rather that which characterizes a spirit. So it's referring to your human spirit, not the Holy Spirit. If we had the word Holy Spirit, the words Holy Spirit, if we had God's Spirit, if we had the Spirit of God, any of those types of, of words to connect there, then we would say, okay, we're definitely talking about the Holy Spirit here. But here's what kind of gets even more confusing for us. We can't operate from our human spirit in this day and age, first, if we're not saved, because then we don't actually have a human spirit if we're not saved, but second, if we're not in a right relationship with God, if we're in a right relationship with God, if we're in fellowship with Him, then the Holy Spirit leads our human spirit. So they both work together. Now, when we have the flesh, we have the body and soul. They both function, both comprise the flesh. When we operate from the spirit or from spirit, we have the Holy Spirit leading the human spirit. They both work together to operate spiritually. So we're talking about how we walk through moment by moment, stepping through the life that we have in physical life on earth. Are we walking from the flesh the body and the soul dictating to us what we do, or are we walking from spirit? The Holy Spirit leading and teaching the human spirit, telling it what to do, and us obeying through spiritual operation. Now, what we learned last week was that if we choose to obey this command and we walk by spirit, using that as the tool that we operate by and walk by, then at the same time we're walking by the spirit, we will not have the possibility to carry out the desires of the flesh. Now, we've looked at the desires of the flesh, and this is referring to the lust of your specific sin nature, which is either pride, materialism, or sensualism, sensuality. So whatever your lust pattern is, your flesh says, hey, walk by this. It's all about you. Make it all about you. Think about what you like, what you want. Put you first if it's pride. Think about how you feel, what, what should be, what you think is the standard and making things the right way if you're essentialist. Or think about all this stuff you can have and acquire in this world and focus on getting and acquiring those things. That's materialism. So your flesh will lead you down those, one of those three paths dominantly. The spirit will not. So you can tell by what you're doing and what you're pursuing, whether you're following the Spirit, whether you're operating spiritually, or whether you're operating from the flesh. So the command is to walk by means of the Spirit, and that is a tool that will keep you from carrying out, bringing to completion, those things that your lust pattern says will fulfill you and satisfy you to pursue. Now, the way this works, it's like a switch. If you are operating from the Spirit, you cannot sin until you choose to operate from the flesh. You have a choice here. It's not always Spirit or always flesh. You operate spiritually until you get a better offer and choose then 
through the free will God gave you to stop operating spiritually and start operating from the flesh. And we do the same thing from the flesh. We operate from the flesh until the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, hey, you're sinning. And we go, okay, you're right. I agree. That's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. I know you confess that to God. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we start walking spiritually again. What makes the difference between spiritual operation or operation from the flesh? Our choice. We have to choose how we're going to operate. That's the problem we have because naturally in our born physical state, we develop from the moment of physical birth, that first breath, until the time we accept Jesus Christ to be the Savior for us personally, we develop patterns of behavior that we are naturally going to slip into if we don't purposefully choose not to follow them by purposefully choosing to walk by spirit. Now I've got some diagrams for you that explains this a little more, and I'm going to focus a little bit on the idea of a switch. We've got light switches in our room, and you either have the light on or you have the light off. The switch turns it on, and the switch turns it off. Let's say that the light on is walking by spirit, and the light off is walking by the flesh. First John 1 John 1 actually teaches this same concept. We've dealt with that. So if we're light off right now, which means we're operating by the flesh, we have to choose to stop that and start operating spiritually. How do we do that? Confess our sin. When we confess our sin, that unrighteousness we, we committed, God restores us to spiritual operation. Now we're walking by spirit. But what made the switch? What was the difference? The choice you made to confess your sin, submitting yourself back to God for him to tell you what to do. When we get to verse 17, in just a few minutes here, we'll see that we never actually do what we want to do. We do what our lust pattern or our sin nature, our flesh tells us to do, or we do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Those are the only two options. We do choose which one we're going to follow. But what we follow is either suggested to us by the Holy Spirit or suggested to us by our flesh. You and your unique essence stand alone from your flesh of the Holy Spirit. Do not choose or do not accomplish what you, apart from those two things, want to do. You either do what the flesh says or you do what the Spirit says. It's either on or off. Let's take a look at these diagrams real quick. Lights back on. When we dealt with Genesis 1, 26 and 27, uh, we have the fall of man in Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Here is how God originally created Adam. And yes, it's not a stick figure because we needed to have a better representation of the body. And so this is a bubble figure. It's my new thing. I'm trying to start this trend. So as you, well, you're out of school next tomorrow, right, for most of you. So as you go back to school, make a bubble figure instead of stick figures on your notes. But you've got a body, right? And you've got the soul and you've got the human spirit. And it's blue. Do you know why it's blue? Blue in the Bible is symbolic of righteousness. Okay, so when, you, when the Bible uses blue, it's speaking of righteousness. So what happened when, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is they sinned. And what happens? Death of the human spirit. Why did it go to red? Red is representative of death. It also is representative of love. And isn't it interesting that God's love sent a man, God the Son, 
Jesus of Nazareth to die physical death and spiritual death to pay our penalty. So we have post-fall Adam and pre-fall Adam, before he sinned and after he sinned. Now Romans 5.12 says that we are all born this way as a result of what Adam did. You like that? All right, let's go back and show it again. Okay, so look, pre-fall Adam, he eats from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He sins instantly. The c- command says was do not eat from this. For when they eat of it, dying instantly, spiritually, you will die in a while in the future physically. So they sinned. Human spirit's instantly dead. Physical death starts occurring. And we have what we used to be and what is. Okay, and God says, I will send a Messiah, and he will pay the penalty for your sin, which is spiritual death for eternity. The wages of sin is death, spiritual separation from God forever. And so we have then the pre-salvation individual who is spiritually dead. This is you before you accepted Christ as your Savior, who chooses then, after hearing the gospel message, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, to say, yes, I with my free will am choosing to accept what God has provided on my behalf so that he can save me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is a command. The result of if you actually obey that command is that you will then be saved. You do not save yourself. You believe what God says will save you, and he does the saving work. When he sees that you have that dependency upon Jesus Christ in that same moment, he saves you. Man cannot save themselves, but they can choose to accept the propitiation, the payment for their penalty. That's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The result of that, depending on him to pay the penalty, is the generation now of a human spirit. So what we lost through Adam's sin, we gain through Jesus' life, through dependence upon it. And so then we have the two different individuals, mind-blowing, right? You have who you were before Christ and who you are as a new creature in Christ. Now, the human spirit doesn't die after you're saved because your sins are charged to Christ, not to you. If your sins were charged to you, then your spirit would have to die because you would be held responsible for your sins. But when you depend upon Jesus Christ, you are saying, I want all of my past sins, all of the sins I'm going to commit right after I accept Christ to be my Savior, and all the sins I'm going to commit 10 years from now, the rest of my life, to be charged to him as if he's the one who committed them. And Jesus went to the cross to allow you to do that. And he went to the cross to allow every single human to do that, to say, I want him to be blamed for my sins and take the penalty. And he volunteered for that. God loved us so much that he sent him for that purpose so that we could have the spirit restored through dependence upon Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Now, here's the problem for us. When we, even though we're a born a new creature and we are, have a human spirit that is alive and operational, we don't always use that to walk through this life. We oftentimes go back to this carnal operation, which is operation from the flesh, as if we didn't have a human spirit but we do have a human spirit. We're just operating as if we didn't. Now, you can think of it this way. Some of you guys are getting close to getting your licenses or driver's ed, right? And so, as you get closer to that, you transition from your bicycle to a car, okay? So we're going to call the bicycle, I shouldn't do this because I love bikes. We're going to call the bicycle carnal operation or operation from the flesh, and we're going to call the car spiritual operation, operation from the spirit. 
And so what happens is you turn 16, you get your license, and you now, hey, your parents just, wow, they surprised you with a big, shiny car on your birthday with a big bow on top, right? <laughs> I don't want to get your hopes up or hopes high. This probably will not happen for most of you, but you get your license, you get a car, and now you can operate from the car. But would it make much sense for you to go back, let's say you used to ride your bike to school, and when school starts up again, to instead of driving your new car that your parents gave you, that they paid for, that they provided for you, all you had to do was get into it and turn the key, would it make sense for you to not drive your car to school, but instead to ride your bike to school like you used to do? Who would do that? Depends on if you have fuel and insurance. I understand that the analogy is not perfect, but the idea is similar. When we are born spiritually, we have this new aspect to who we are that works far better than the flesh it actually produces righteous works it actually understands god's thought process and is able to learn god's thought process and then depend upon it but what we do is the equivalent of going back to using the bicycle for our mode of transportation because instead of trusting what god's provided for us and following what he says we go back to following what we're used to doing operating from the flesh. And we're so used to doing this. Here's what it looks like. This is who you are as a new creature. You're spiritually alive, but are you spiritually operating? Inside of this green circle, you operate spiritually. Outside of this, you operate carnally from the flesh. 1 John 1, 9, confession of sin puts you back into spiritual operation until you sin again. Now, in order for you to sin again, what must you do? You must choose to, instead of keep walking by the Spirit, to stop that and choose to walk by the flesh. We only sin because we operate from the flesh. We will never sin if we operate from the Spirit. We have to choose to stop doing what we're doing, operating the Spirit, and then say, I want to take this thing that God's not leading me to or providing for me, because my flesh, my lust pattern, says that I want that. And that's the process that takes place. We choose with our free will to switch off spiritual operation and switch on fleshly operation, carnal operation. And we're going to build this out more and more as we continue to study it. And when we come back next week, we will start with Galatians 5.17 where we identify that the flesh and the spirit set themselves up opposing each other against each other. And you either operate from the flesh or the spirit so that you're either doing what the flesh says or what the spirit says, and there's no middle ground, there's no in-between. Let's pray.